Howdy. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Rose Podcast. I've been wanting to use howdy more, you know. We're in Idaho and it just feels like the right way to greet people here. I need to cowboy it up a little bit. I'm actually currently wearing a denim shirt as I record this. So, you know, I think the only thing that's getting in the way is that I'm allergic to horses. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that aside, I was speaking to a friend recently about a survey that was done about, you know, with people about their relationships. And what was really interesting is that people would rather talk about sex than money. They found that the subject of money created more tension in their relationships than the subject of sex. Now, that makes sense on like a logical level, I think, because we talk about the research that shows that the conversation and the the energetics of money and finance and debt, let's say, and just how we have different ways of relating to money and debt and how we use it and et cetera, et cetera, that they often conflict and we don't know how to have that conversation or to do it in a way where both of us can have an experience if we're talking about a couple and and not invalidate the other, that one way seems to be the right way and the other one isn't. And I was, you know, as I sort of dove deeper into the subject, you know, because uh, what I want to quickly reference is this idea that that subject is the leading cause of divorce. And when you dive deeper into the subject, in another study that I looked at, it showed that millennials, 51% of millennials have duped their partners in money matters, only 41% of Gen Xers and 33% of boomers admitted to swindling their partners. Now, this is a, a poll that was done. That's interesting. So that's like hiding accounts, hiding debt, things like that. And I I don't think this is a subject that's spoken about enough, just like how much energetics and weight is carried by this subject. And if it's breaking us up, or that's the perception, right, is this subject is so charged that it's actually breaking us up or we're not confronting it and then it comes out later because we avoided the subject, which shows that it's carrying a charge. And that it it breaks us up later because we didn't actually take responsibility uh, for the future that we want to create with someone or the the story we want to create about money. So because this is so topical, and I think you know I've gotten so many questions on this, like uh, what do I do when someone's in debt, a partner's in debt? What do I do when uh, I'm in debt and I don't feel worthy, et cetera, et cetera? I wanted to bring back on Selena Gray, the money expert, expert on relationship to money, who I created a course with called Relationship to Money, and it's looking at how do you heal all of those things. So I wanted to bring her on and discuss these many dynamics so that we can take charge of them, so that we can own our money story and it doesn't own us, you know, recognizing that like your worth doesn't live in your worth or your lack thereof. They're totally separate things. So if you can recognize that you think your worth lives there, then you can claim it back because it doesn't. But someone taught you that it does. So let's dive in. So excited to have Selena Gray back on. And before we begin, please, wherever you listen to this, please subscribe to it and give it a five-star review and a written review. That's so helpful for me. Boom, let's do this. Well, it is always a pleasure 
to have on the lovely Selena Gray. Welcome back. I'm so grateful to be here. I think it's a a perfect time for you to be here, considering the financial strains that everyone is likely experiencing and what's going on in the world and um, a lot of uncertainty about our work. and, And of course, wherever there's like loss of jobs and that kind of stuff, there's usually a really big birth of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And and like dreams and like, finally, I have the excuse I got let go, which is not again, I sound really excited about that. But I mean, not to dismiss or diminish the, the real pain and, and stress of that event, but to say, like, we often wait till that moment to do it and we don't have to wait till that moment to do it. Um, so I'm happy to have you back on so you can channel your money, business, entrepreneurial brain, wisdom, soul stuff. I'm honored to do it. And. I think you're right. Like we definitely do not want to minimize the fear and the shame and the anxiety and all of the big feelings that come up for us in money, but also to not minimize the fire that can come from within that can say, how can this be for me? And how can I look to seeing my life differently through the lens of inner richness? Because when I think about my life, creating a business came from a lot of my own pain, my own pain from having a corporate um, position. And we've spoken about this before on the podcast where I was really obsessed with working and I was obsessed with wealth and the universe, you know, really showcased that there was another way for me. And I came out of the hospital, you know, feeling broken. And, And now I can see how it was such an awakening. And I think that Seeing these breakdown moments as ways to break through can certainly be a gift and not to minimize the experience and the feelings, but to greet them as part of Mm. our healing so that we can use that as fuel to ignite our own fires. To think of that as the invitation, which is not to say that the pain of the ending uh, that creates the invitation is not real. Okay, so... You know, in the context of, you know, I think what often happens, I'm prone to it too, is people look at what's occurring and they say, you know, it's kind of like when there was the Great Depression and people were like, well, there's no money. And I remember listening to Alan Watts say, uh, there's no, there's still the same amount of money in the world. Like, it's like trying to build a house and saying there's not enough, I remember he said, there's not enough inches. You know, it's like the same sort of context of like, there's no less. It's just that when we all start to adopt that mindset and move towards that fear and allow it to grip us from starting that business, doing that thing, it's like, to me, this might sound counterintuitive and I might be totally wrong. So please tell me if I am. But that actually seems like the perfect time to do it because no one else is actually stepping into that abundant space. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to to really view the pain as an opportunity to, to heal through it rather than just be fearful of it. And what we think about really expands. You know, if we think about, you know, we've all seen the marketing for it. If you start watching ads and you see a certain type of car ad and you happen to be observing it when you're out driving, you start noticing that car oh, everywhere, everywhere. If you buy a car, you're like, no one had this car before. Now everybody's driving this damn car. Right. So if we limit our mind to only seeing not enough, of course, we're going to see not enough. But if we invite that pain or the struggle, and you're right, rising above our own circumstance, and, and it takes bravery, and it's not for the faint of heart. But I believe as humans, you know, rising to our wholeness and our highest self that invitation can be something magical. And, and you and I both created businesses from pain. 
Right. Exactly. Like that, that's, and monetized it. Yes. You know? And, and had to heal our way through monetizing it because every step of the way, you know, our money story shows up for us. And I think as entrepreneurs, you know, it's so many things pop up for us on how we're going to price products or services, how we're going to interact with our clients, how we're going to market it. And all of that can be stopped by feelings of not enough or not for us right now, or this isn't the right time. And all of that can be scarcity. And I think honoring those feelings and the pain and, and greeting the anxiety and the shame and saying, yeah, maybe it is the right time. And not everyone is set out to be an entrepreneur. That's not what this podcast is about. We don't, we just follow that fire. But you know, as we grow in our businesses, new challenges appear. But what we're speaking of here from the pain is building a toolkit that we get to keep for ourselves, that honor our inner richness, that bring us back to wholeness, to break through money, you know, habits and programming that don't serve us and allow us to create inner richness that results in outer richness so we can give more and have a bigger impact on society. You know, I didn't think about this when I started my business, but now it's such a blessing to be able to hire more team members. And hiring more team members allows other people to be in their gifts and their zone of genius. And our company can have a bigger impact. And collectively, as a company, we can give to more charities. And once I got out of my own way and my own thinking of what was possible for myself. So I think it's just the invitation to explore is ultimately what I'm saying. Well, I think so many of us don't relate to money in a way that it's a relationship. We don't relate to were like creating and creating more wealth or whatever. And wealth, I don't mean like a fucking yacht. I mean, just like a sense peace. of freedom. Yeah, peace and freedom that's garnered or created through uh, the level of income we would need, which I think is very subjective that each person yes. needs to feel free. And I think in the research, although you'd have to tap inflation into this, it's like beyond $70,000 a year, uh, the level of happiness is relatively small for each incremental increase in salary or increase in income, which is not to diminish the desire to create more than that, because like you said, then you start to pay incomes of other people. And and so I, I think before we even sort of get into the deeper layers of this, I think it's important, or it is the deeper layers to say, okay, so I talk about relationship to people generally, but not only, not exclusively. And I think when we think of money, we think of money as being the source, uh, the number one cause of divorce. And so we think of it as being a thing that we don't want to actually touch because it causes these divorces. That's how we see it. And, you know, I said to you when we were speaking privately once, uh, or maybe it was on Instagram, just that money doesn't cause divorces. Like it's the lack of ability to talk about these things. And, you know, even just the idea that, it's the skill set. And it's also that money itself is this huge thing that is attached to shame and yes. fear and so many stories of like, look at all the corruption that's occurred in the world, all the invasions for money and spices and all the stuff that's been like the separation of socioeconomic statuses based on wealth distribution. Yes. It's a very real thing. But if we don't turn towards it, it will run our lives. So let's, if you could just explain like, okay, what the hell does it mean to be in a relationship with money? Yeah. And I think like we have to remember that we've been taught that money is an unspoken and it's 
a complicated thing in all of our decision making. You know, what kind of career we're going after, what kind of wedding we're going to have, you know, what kind of date we're going to go on is all connected one way or another to some decisions on money. And I think when we think relationally about money, we forget that it's a lifelong journey, that it's a relationship that I would like to see or define as the state of being connected. And money is the currency in which we stay connected to ourselves. So there's all these like big, big uh, retirement ideas and personal finance ideas and not to diminish those because they have a place, but it's not just about the numbers. It's not just about getting more. It's about finding that place, that number and that inner peace that makes us feel alive and peaceful and free and that we have gratitude for. And we tend to look at money in a silo, a silo of like, okay, it's safe to speak about in this terms. But like you and I have spoken to many amazing humans who are like, yeah, we've been in a relationship. We're five months in. We haven't had the money discussion yet. So, you know, it, it tends to not have a seat at the meaningful relationship discussion table because there's not a lot of safe space around that discussion and the behaviors on how to have those kinds of meaningful discussions without minimizing someone else or creating this dynamic where it's me against you. And that shows up in entrepreneurship. It shows up in our personal life. It shows up in where we share money with anyone. We can, like you brought up the depression, for example, you know, we don't even realize how our previous generations of money story is infiltrating how we see our relationship with money today. You know, those things like I can't afford that or money doesn't grow on trees. Those old sayings are really infused into our subconscious programming and are kind of dictating our current reality with money. And so it's about just pausing and saying, no, money's not the box we've been taught. It's actually in every single relationship. It makes everything more complicated and it deserves to be evaluated relationally with your highest self and anyone you share money with. When if we don't talk about it, if we don't bring it, and as you said, like it deserves to be brought forward, it it should have a seat at the table because either way it has an influence on the table. You know what I mean? Like anything you don't uncover in your unconscious will be expressed. You know, <laughs> it's just that you won't be in charge of how it's expressed. It will decide how it's being expressed and it won't always come out in gentle ways. And I think that is so incredibly true for uh, money. And I, you know, recently I remember reading a question from a listener and it was about how they had been in a relationship and they really liked the person and things were going really well and they were a good catch. And then they found out that this person had debt and this person didn't, you know, and didn't have a, you know, necessarily a Excel sheet plan on what they were going to do with that debt. And so they immediately, they're like, it's a deal breaker for me and I'm gone. And I thought, well, okay, first off, we don't have all the details of this. So we have to make some assumptions or I'm asking us to make some assumptions for the sake of being able to discuss this because who knows all the layers of conversation that occurred. But let's just say that debt or the idea of debt ended this relationship and was a deal breaker and everyone's allowed their deal breaker. So this again is not shame about a deal breaker. Agreed. And I would say like, okay, well, without context about debt, like often most of us live in this binary, like debt is either bad or it's okay. And it's something that you use to participate in the system. Um, 
and that debt is bad and then it's shame and then it's this person is not worthy because they have yes. debt. And that, uh, to me, to think like we might push away a love that is possible that could be healing for both people because of just the subject of debt is actually, uh, you know, kind of scary to me because it's like, wait, that person presented this tender part of themselves, perhaps, again, making an assumption and a generalization here, and or maybe even didn't want to and there was shame associated with the share. And maybe they are moving towards paying it off. But now we've like, because both people have different stories about money, to me, I'm like, okay, well, if someone tells me that they have something that they're dealing with, money or not, and I end the relationship strictly because of that. And again, you can, there's going to be obviously a lot of nuance to this. Right. It's like, there's a belief that their debt is somehow going to become my debt. Like, which really infers this codependent thinking of like, I'm afraid that if you bring your money story to me, it's going to become my money story, that there's not a boundary between my and yours. And maybe I'm afraid of debt because I watched my mom or my dad go into debt or be a gambling addict or die under credit card debt, Uh, like all those kinds of things. And again, there's so much important information to understanding our money stories that it can destroy our relationships or not even allow us in them. And we don't even realize that it's codependency you know, in this money space. What are your thoughts on that? That was a lot. I just vomited. Yeah, I'm, help me out. <laughs> I, I don't need to help you out. You unpack that beautifully because we've had so many discussions about this. This is why, you know, in our course, we look at all the layers because there's so much complexity and we often just put it all on money. But what you said about deal breakers is powerful because if we acknowledge like someone had an emotional event happen to them that was traumatic, And they brought that to the relationship and said, look, like this is tender for me and it's met with compassion. You know, we've kind of been taught over the years to to have compassion for certain areas, you know, with the definition of deal breakers being in air quotes, like it's different for everyone and that's our, our right, right? But I think for so often or so often for so many of us that when it's related to money, it's like we've been taught to shut down about it because, you know, it's almost like, oh my gosh, I can't take this on for me. They're not a responsible person. They're a bad person because they're not managing their money. And this this is you know a loaded conversation. This could be in various places. It doesn't have to be with debt at all. It could be for someone who has lots of money in the bank, but they are so committed to saving that they have no fun at all. It's like their entire focus is just saving money. That could be just as toxic as having too much debt. And so it's just giving a voice to this idea of how we wrap around these concepts of money with worth and how important they become to be a deal breaker because it's what we're supposed to do in our society. We're supposed to find, you know, people who, you know, honor us in our own patterns with money. But if we rub up against someone who's a little bit different, we shut down, we can't speak about it and we automatically like can cast shame. And it, it's not saying that you can't do that. Your relationship to money is your own choice. You do what honors you. But when we say this idea of a seat at the table, it's like, well, would you do that for other reasons? And why are you doing right. it for money? You know, like we've just accepted that that's what we do. Of course, it's a deal breaker. And you and I have had lots of discussions about this and your community gets really riled up. And 
truthfully, I like when people get riled up about this because it's it's allowing this topic to have a voice. And mm-hmm. to me, it's much deeper than just the deal breaker. It's like, well, why does that person feel shame? Does that shame need to stay? You know, how can they heal it? And do you, do you have a part in that? And do you want to have a part in that? Like when we look at collective healing, we have to identify beliefs that aren't serving us or events that happen to us that keep us stuck. And then we learn new or unlearn certain things to move through it. And the same to be said with money, you know, like food, relationships, all of those things require us to heal. Why can't we allow that with money? And it's it was really re- met with a lot of resistance. And so that's why I love having this conversation with you because it's all subjective. But if we cut just like the main themes of debt, earning, debt, income, all the big players of money and go back to the emotions and how we regulate emotions and how those are literally ruling our lives in some way, shape or form. Like if you think, wow, I took this job that I'm going to spend 30 years in because I could earn a certain amount of money rather than thinking about how much joy it could bring to my life. We've literally been trained to do that in a lot of ways. Right, we have. And so why is that allowed? Mm. Why can't I mean, we just great change, question. <laughs> like change the programming on that? You know, why can't, why can't we, we just say no more? Like, I don't want to play in that game or in that system. And I mean, what you're saying means we also have to look at why are we willing to trade joy for, for money? And then, but even this idea that you are trading joy for money, when you could actually step into joy and create far more money. Which is what we do as entrepreneurs. I'm not saying you have to be an entrepreneur, but- You could work for a heart-centered integral company, of course. Absolutely. Right. But you and I were committed to doing the work around our money stories. And I think that that's why it opened up this idea of like looking at money as a as a series of emotions that have some- really important healing to do. And we've identified narratives that aren't serving us. And it doesn't matter how much money in our bank account or what happened to us before. Every single person can benefit from exploring their money story and how it shows up in their current reality. And it's just a matter of like getting curious, fierce curiosity and gentle compassion around how we see money. And and because we've made it so complex, because there's so many big emotions around having more money and hiding the amount we have and not having normal conversations. Like you don't go up to someone and say, how much do you make? That's taboo. You know, why have we made that taboo? We ask people how they're feeling. How are you today? That's totally allowed. Like, why is it not deserving to have conversations around money? Not specific to numbers, but like, oh, let's unpack your feelings around these money events. It's so simple and so logical because we'll be like, hey, what have you been through relationally? What's happened in your life? Uh, Are you more? We do attachment, uh, you know, quizzes and figure out, am I anxious or avoidant or both? And not recognizing that money will trigger all of those things too, but that we're open to those conversations and we actually use someone's growth focus towards their hurt, their pain, their past, understanding their childhood. But we leave understanding the money part of your childhood out of that conversation. And what are we doing to heal that as well? Because certainly, like, I honestly cannot think of a moment unless it was by accident that I was out of credit card debt since the first time I ever got a credit card. Like, 
I might have scraped out when I got a bonus at work and then paid it off. And then that just gave me an excuse to use it again. And so I, I for a lot of my life, had five to $10,000 on my credit card. If I had a line of credit, it was almost always maxed. Like in my whole adult life, almost all of it, I had a, uh, yeah, at least in the last 15 years, I had a $40,000 line of credit. And that line of credit was used almost to the maximum to pay down the credit card. And then of course it, I don't, I haven't changed the pattern. So I stay in it. And it wasn't until I worked with you and, and what we created in the courses, that pathway, because I wanted to bring it to people that I actually changed my relationship with. Like I can't, I'm so used to feeling constricted around the idea of a credit card or a line of credit because I felt like I, it was like a drug, like in, in a weird way, not like, oh, I needed to use it and I was getting high from it, but that I didn't know how to not be in debt. Because that you had accepted that that was your truth. So of right. course you were never going to break free of it. It didn't occur to you because of your current money rules at the time that you were ever going to get out of this cycle. And the resistance was because you were always at a different stage of the cycle. You could either continue to numb out your feelings with purchases and then chase the payments or like there was no pause to go, wait, is this my truth? And wow, I have a choice in changing this. And we can like, cause debt was your story and, and you healed that. And that is not your truth anymore, which is amazing. And now you've, you've created so much uh, wealth from that. But we could omit the word debt and do a lot of different iterations with money on that. You know, like the the control dynamics that we have over other people when we like pay for things and create expectations around it in partnership or same thing with the parent child or we dictate how people spend and how they can spend and what they spend it on. It's that same acceptance of truth as an adult based on those rules we've learned. We've just accept, accepted them as our truth. And so there's, of course, no thinking that we need to be free of it. But same thing when mm -hmm. we think about your work relationally, like your habit of like, you know, being in relationship and you start learning patterns, you can heal that and free your right. from it. It's the same work, but with a different lens. And we tend to only silo that work based on specialty, relationships, food, money, etc. But to me, this is all interconnected. We've learned to accept our truths and money is part of that. We've decided that we need to numb out. Well, what does that have to do with money? It's a coping mechanism for an emotional response that occurred because of a money story. Right. Hmm. Well, I think in my relationships too, it wasn't, I mean, not talking about money or even the inferred role that I was supposed to take in relationship that I took too, because I got a benefit from it, you know, by paying for things or being the quote unquote provider is that I felt as though I had security too. Like I've got them, like I'm paying for them. So they should be in relationship with me, you know, in some way. And you realize how toxic that is from like a patriarchal sense. Cause that's, but it was just inferred that I was supposed to. And then you know, that, yes. and this is true. I see this all the time that inherently, and I'm just speaking for my experience, that a man's value is placed in his ability to provide. And even though I'm so conscious of that being a narrative, I can feel in my body the fear that that 
is true. And I can just look at the comments on my Instagram to see that that's still very true. And and not to blame the other side because it's not women's fault because they had to trade something for that and they traded a lot and it was a big cost. And it, it just, to me, it's such an important conversation because it's so healing because what it's done is it has, has allowed when I've been able to make that implicit expectation and story explicit now, especially in my partnership, it has deepened intimacy on such yes. a greater level because both her and I are free of that because they're not unconsciously or, or implicitly running our lives or creating power dynamics. We are making explicit these like, what do we actually want and what can we both afford and what do either one of us need? And it's this story that like we're in charge now. And that feels, man, I never thought that money was a block or a way I gained power or any, or significance. Although I know that we chase jobs in order to do that. And so it makes sense. But you said something powerful because yes, we'll chase jobs for that. And we have expectations on how we can chase, but we don't understand the layers in our relationships. And we don't understand right. that some of those things are infused from generations before us at a literal cellular level. Right. Like that money story can stay with us. And what a gift it is to acknowledge it and say like, I have choice in this. It doesn't need to continue. And I don't have to blame other people. I can awaken to it and, and accept a new truth. Like that limiting belief around money doesn't have to stay with me. Like I feel like as a society, we have an awareness around limiting beliefs and shifting them. But when we think about that at a cellular level for money, like your healing will change your family legacy forever. And, mm -hmm. and that is like, gift beyond you, but that healing is felt, you know, and it, I think about myself in all of this, like I'm a fiercely independent woman and I've wore it as a badge of honor my entire life. And part of where that's come from is, you know, in my past, I grew up in a household where I didn't feel safe. My relationship with my mom was very strained and part of the power struggle in that was money. And so I'd always had a fierce curiosity around money. That's why I'm a chartered professional accountant to this day. <laughs> I always loved the subject, but I didn't realize the emotions behind it. I, I learned that after, you know, really an intense stay at the hospital and awakening to this idea of conscious wealth which is really inner richness to me. Um, but with this dynamic with my mom, she used money as a form of control over me. And so it really instilled this idea of like, am I going to really become like her? Like we, we know we come, become like that or exactly opposite. And I became mm -hmm. exactly opposite. I was like, yeah. no one's going to control me with money. And it became so fierce that it was like a wound. I wouldn't even let anyone near me, like to my heart, to my soul, to get to know me because what if they hurt me? like my mom had in ways with money or otherwise. And I started realizing how much that was impacting my ability to earn and save. I was spending and buying things to make myself feel better when I started realizing, wow, this emotion pops up because I don't feel enough. And me buying things brings me endorphins for a day or two, but it doesn't solve the issue, which is like, I am worthy and I get to heal my relationship with myself. And you actually helped me a lot reparenting myself in those traumatic moments with my mom. And there's money rooted in that because it was part of the power struggle. And so, yes, we are all born to a society that has lots of complexity about the patriarch and, you know, finding Prince Charming or being fiercely independent or having to provide 
And those, those are truths, but we decide if we want to continue them mm. in our reality or not. I love that. We get to choose if we want to participate in those and we can if we want to. There's nothing. It's just like, don't let it decide for you. Choose that you want to do that. And don't and, blame other people, you know, if you choose that. Because when you now, wake up in it. Yeah, we wake up in it. And granted, like, I know there are always um, situations where this becomes more complicated than just a simple answer. For example, if you're in a situation where someone is really holding power over you with finances and you feel trapped, like, and you have yeah. to leave to a shelter, like that is real threat. And I don't want to minimize right. any of that because sometimes we really feel like we don't have a choice. But ultimately, you know, coming back to learning how we grew up with money and what that means to us now gives us a way to come back to our wholeness, to come back to our power, to say, oh, I had no idea how this consciousness was infiltrating all of my decisions every day. I had no idea how much energy was leaking towards thinking about money in a way that wasn't serving me, that's perpetuating my not enoughness. You know, a simple example, like at the grocery store, maybe we've been conditioned to buy things always on sale. We've just accepted that as our truth because we grew up in a family where we always bought things on sale. But as a today, as a person, we're like, no, I only want to, you know, honor my body with organic food if if that's what you choose, just for an example. We may have a very big conflict about our worthiness around that because we've been taught to, you know, buy things on sale. And so it's like honoring if that's our truth. This is a very small example, but there's literally thousands of them every day where we can show up in conflict of that, where we abandon ourselves and we go back to old programming, you know, and deciding to spend our money on the things we really love and value can be healing. And another piece of this that could be healing is just allowing the emotion to come up. When we started this discussion, we talked about pain. I think that that's one thing we we tend to avoid in money. We don't want to face the anxiety when we're going to log into our banking, you know, and it's like, well, what is this telling me? Where, <laughs> I know where, that feeling. I remember that one well, the credit card statement, the, yeah. Like, what is it teaching us and where does it live in our body? You know, our body is is the wisest piece of us. And we've been taught to to live truths based on other people. And we've accepted them as our own in money, just like we have in all other areas, right? right? And now just awakening to that, we can really decide differently. And I think that's how your cycle stopped, Mark, was when you realized, holy shit, I have a choice in this. And when I honor my own worth and my own value around debt, it can be gone. And then I can bring in more income that can do greater good for so many people. You've helped thousands of people after that experience. And that's a limitless potential in and of itself. Well, yeah, like this work is is the work, you know, and we think of it as this something we can't change. And I'm so happy that you have shared with us how to do that, how to transform that. I mean, I never even, honestly, before I met you and discovered your work, I never even thought about it. I never even considered it to be something. And then when I got awareness of it and then experienced the transformation, I felt so free from a story I didn't know I was in. And so I'm curious uh, for the people listening, you know, if they're like, oh shit, I kind of want to get into this. Um, maybe we could walk through like what are some of the benefits or of of taking the course that we created where they can just go to uh, they can find out more if they go to create the moolah m-o-o-l-a dot com uh, but I think it's best to hear it from you know us and I, I I can speak for myself that one of the benefits 
the deepest one was um, much more compassion and understanding for why I actually spent the way I did and why, you know, I didn't want to feel a certain, I, I grew up not getting all the things I wanted. Well, welcome to childhood and life. But I mean, on a deeper level than that, in terms of like being disappointed and we grew up quite poor for the majority of my childhood, maybe poor is the wrong word, but like couldn't afford a lot. And I never wanted to feel that again. So I just, never let myself feel it. And that feeling of like disappointment and, you know, humanizing my parents and recognizing they did the best they can, but it doesn't remove the experience of the child. So I felt really through the work I did with you and the work we put in the course, I felt such a deep sense of compassion. And then because I was compassionate about it and aware of it, it could no longer choose for me. It could no longer grip me. Yeah. And, and really like honoring the fact that we can feel seen and heard by ourselves, like things have happened to us. And when we awaken to them with this safe space and toolkit that we build, that we can change the course of our future to have more peace, that we're not just chasing money, that it's in harmony with the life that we desire, that we can infuse small joys and celebrate things with money and start awakening our reality to say, holy, I had no idea that that triggered me, but now I do. And what a gift, because it's not going to trigger me again, because I've, mm -hmm. I've learned how to move through it. And in the course, we go step by step unpacking like the layers of learning your money story and the layers of acknowledging your little self. Like you and I both have our childhood pictures in the course, and it's acknowledging that that little self needs to feel safe and loved. And so on the other side of the course, you feel more peaceful with money and you start seeing abundance in all forms, not just, you know, that money, we receive it in income and we spend it, it comes in and goes, but it's, it's integrated into our life that we have far more peace and control. And it's not about give and take. It's about how we show up to life and our path to wholeness and healing and welcoming a, a change of life for us. And many of the people have paid off, like you don't have to have debt to come in the course, but they've paid off debt. They've bought, you know, rental homes. They've freed themselves from the pain of money that they didn't even know that they had. And so I think clarity, peace, confidence, a deeper understanding of self. And then this idea of like using money to nourish your life, you find mm. finding that way to like live in harmony with that relationship. And rather than shaming yourself and going into spiral with it, acknowledging how it's, it's part and parcel with the best parts of life. Well, I think so many of us too are like, oh, well, if I have debt, I have money issues. That's that feels like an obvious feeling, you know, for someone identifying, um, which is not true that debt means you have money issues. But if you're like constantly in debt, like I was, but we don't think of like the constricted saver or the like we create, you know, in the course, we have different archetypes of how you might be. Yeah. And it's important that we recognize that like if money brings up a somatic response for you, then you have an undiscovered story, you know, a reactivity or whatever it may be. And I can't say enough about about it. To find neutrality. I think that's the key. It's like, yes, it's not always just about like joy, joy, joy. It's like I go into my my bank account and I feel neutral about it because I have been able to heal the wounds I felt around money. You know, the things that used to take us out, the cycles that would take us out, we've learned to identify them and work through it in a way that honors us. And that path to wholeness and richness is unique. And we talk about that in the course that everyone 
takes and spends differently. And that's to be celebrated. We don't have to do right. We don't have to do money like anyone else. And that's the point. We take in the advice from financial dream team members like tax accountants and, you know, CFPs, certified financial planners, but based on what we want. And it's beyond the numbers where your mindset and your strategy, so the like the harmony of the emotion and the numbers themselves aren't in conflict anymore. And our relationships with money, with other people can feel safer. We've we've literally had couples go through this thing where they're like, we can't even speak to each other. And then they right. have compassion for why they feel triggered about certain money events because they know each other's money stories and their wounds around money and they can have safe compassion and honor holding space for each other. And there is no need for divorce. Money doesn't cause divorce. Mark and I believe that it's the lack of communication around honoring open communication, the complexity and layers of our money stories that really cause us duress in money. Right. To use money as a tool, not be used by it, not be unconsciously misdirected by it. Everyone, we appreciate you, Selena, for being on here. I'm speaking for everyone. I speak for everyone. We are so grateful for you doing the work that you do to you know, step towards that awakening that you experienced so you could help spread healing. And I feel really honored to have been able to partner with you in this course and, and bring a real deep relational spin to it. And I think, you know, based on all the experience we had last year when we launched it, um, bring some really deep healing for people and freedom, which is what everyone wants. In ways that one didn't expect. And I think that's the biggest gift is that just walking bravely towards your pain. There's so much beauty on the other side. And I think that that's the epitome of your work. You've transformed my life in so many ways. And I'm so grateful to you, Mark. And I'm so honored to bring the best of both of our gifts together. And I feel like it creates a really unique container that money isn't addressed in normally. And it gives a way for people to self-discover their path to inner richness where their wealth meets their worth. And I just couldn't thank you more for helping heal me in so many ways and just being a dear friend. So thank you. Mm, right back at you. And for everyone listening, uh, we want to give you a gift that if you use the code create the moolah, you can go save 50 bucks off the course right now. So go check it out, createthemoolah.com. Coupon code is createthemoolah. Selena, thanks so much for being here. Much love.